Welcome to A Brush with Creativity, a show where we'll unravel the threads of inspiration and offer a panoramic view of the creative landscape. From paintbrush strokes to scientific breakthroughs, melodies to captivating narratives, join us as we guide you through the vast expanse of creativity, where every episode is a new brushstroke on the canvas of inspiration, and every idea is an open door to that which has never existed. All right, we're back again, talking back about again. the creative process. Tobin, how's your week been? It's been a week. Yeah, you know, every day above ground is a good one. I agree. Absolutely. So we were going to discuss some creativity and talk about the idea that creativity has always been with us. And I think that one of the things we brought about yes, uh, last time we, we met was talking about how it's in nature. And we talked a little bit about the golden ratio and I went and did some studying on it, and apparently it's an irrational number called phi. And phi mm. is found in many things in our in our world. Um, that, but it's not exactly what um, what they claim it to be. They've actually got. I was doing some research, and I found a mathematician, and he was talking about how. It's not exactly used in nature to the 0.622, whatever irrational number it is. And so he was arguing that it really only occurs in nature in selective places. And usually it's evolutionary um, part is to help that animal survive or that species of plant survive because it's the most efficient way to use yes. the space yeah. that they have available is through this pie. Your thoughts on that? Wow, there's a lot. I love <laughs> science. I'm, you know, and I I think that I'm one of those people that kind of looks at at science and spirituality as 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 highly compatible, right? I don't I don't see them as um antithetical towards each other, right? Like I think I don't think that science and 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 the spiritual world need to be at odds right they're, they're not at odds in, in my own in my own kind of worldview so when i think about some of the things that you said it makes me think when you think about application of different types of evolutionary characteristics whether we're talking about in a plant or an animal or something like that we will say that you know because of evolution, this this animal or this plant adapted, right? And mm -hmm. so it, it's really kind of interesting to see how things, uh, how organisms, which are so much more simple than a human being, adapt evolutionarily. So there, there's, and, and even evolutionists have conceded over time that, you know, it's not about small changes over long periods of time necessarily. We have cataclysmic evolution that takes um, a whole different approach, and that's that certain kind of cataclysmic environmental happenings can can make a an organism evolve much more quickly over a over a much shorter period of time. And we've got scientific evidence of this happening as well, right? So, um, evolution is is kind of a, an interesting thing because a thing is happening to benefit an organism, and that organism isn't thinking it about it. It's mm -hmm. not actively consciously thinking about i need to make these adaptations in the next generation to secure the future right um, it's happening and the mechanism for it happening is evolution but how does evolution happening i mean how is it happening you know is you know we have um, scientists that tell us that there's these um, external forces that the organism experiences and those are imprinted upon them and they're and you know and uh you know the way they feel things smell things hear things remember things and and that eventually gets coded into um into the genetics right and then that that in turn involves um the changes i've always found it interesting though when we talk about beneficial changes in ecosystems or organisms um 
that seem to follow a plan. Like there seems to be a source, mm-hmm. a creative source for directing that that evolution. And you know whether you whether you call it you know intelligent design or you, you call it God or, right. or or you know whatever organism or creature or intelligence or or whatever there's there's too many things that happen cooperatively to the benefit absolutely it's random right yeah so when you talk about it's not quite there except for when it needs to be you know that's what that's where my mind goes like immediately yeah and and, you know uh, uh, you know and i i totally support and believe and 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 agree with you know the scientists who say well now hold on tobin you know you need to back up a little bit because we have lots of evolutionary um directions that plants and animals take and and it doesn't work out there's and there's cataclysms that we don't evolve out of i mean yeah uh, even the dinosaurs that survived um after you know the various catastrophes that ended the reign of 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 the reptile you know evolutionarily a lot of them just couldn't make it, you know. Yeah, right. So there was, you know, one could say that there was a shotgun approach there, you know. Um, yeah. Maybe that's what Hawking was referring to, and in, in in a way, when he, you know, God throws dice. I don't know. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe it's just just like a shotgun approach, you know. But I think at the end of the day, though, it's still it's still very interesting. It still seems very coordinated, and so one might say. Mm-hmm. Is that coordination the same source as where creativity comes from? I don't know. Yeah, I I think that I have a problem when it comes to thinking about the gene process itself. Like, you know, we're supposed to have the DNA of our ancestors and how that from one generation to the next generation begins to transfer into, say, skills or begins to transfer into, say, uh, a certain personality trait. I I think it's all kind of a mystery. You know, I guess if you really sat down a scientist and you said, how exactly does this one gene transfer and why is that genome, you know, there in the first place if we're not using it, I think that if you really sat a scientist down to that, even if they didn't believe necessarily in a divine plan, if you would, I believe that they would have to, at some place, jump with faith to believe what they believe. What do you think? Well, so we're going to go, you know, real quickly from from science to philosophy. Um, (laughs) I don't believe, let me rephrase that stronger than belief i know i know that any belief that you have um about anything is based on a type of faith right um at the end of the day you know you say you say that you won't believe it unless you know you experience it you see it or something like that and even then you know we know that a really good scientist will is not supposed to believe something just because they experience it. They're Correct. supposed to also it, yeah. make sure it's repeatable, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, you know. But there's a there's a faith level to everything. You take everything down to its roots, and there's there's a faith. So let's say I see something with my eyes, right? There's I have to have faith in a number of things. I have to have faith that um, what I saw was really what I saw, you know, that I wasn't seeing things, so I have to mm-hmm. have faith in that my mind works the right way and that my perceptions are working the way, right way. And then I have to, depending on what it is that we're talking about, I have to have a whole lot of faith in um, the fact that, you know, physics are working the way that they're supposed to work to, Very you know, to be the thing in front of me that I think it is, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of, you know, faith isn't a bad thing. I mean, I think, I think, Faith isn't a bad thing. I think we're people, and and I'm, we don't even have to think about scientists anymore at this point. I think we're people get hung up on. I think that there's a faith that we have in everything, right? And scientists, you know, physicists, you know, are now telling us that you know, when we perceive electrons moving in a certain way, 
they move differently than when we don't perceive them. And I, and I know that that gets blown out of proportion a lot in kind of uh, a lot of these self-help guru kind of, it's true. you know, think it and it'll think it it'll happen kind of a, a philosophy, but, but it is true. I mean, we do, we do have a lot of um, repeatable science that shows this, right? So like, if that's the case, you know, how does our, our, you know, faith in reality, our faith in, in particular laws of, of the way that the universe works, right. Impact things. Right. And I'm not saying that if you just believed hard enough, you could jump off the roof and fly. Right. Uh, there are no flying humanoids outside of aircraft and stuff like that. So nobody's flying just by thinking about it anywhere in the world ever period. I don't think it's ever happened. It certainly isn't happening today. That's well, and I, I think too, when you think about faith from a standpoint of an artist and you think of faith as a standpoint from a writer, or you think of faith from a standpoint of just a businessman, you know, they're, they're all made out of the same substance in that they don't know what's going to happen. They don't have a, a necessarily a plan. There is an unseen element to it. But when you get down to creativity, it's it's like we talked about before. It's almost like an, a self-emptying of everything and then a spirit coming within you that begins to fill you up and give you the guidance that you need to do whatever you're being called to do at that time. And I don't know if if you experience the same type of faith when you're a businessman, thinking about your options as far as on the stock market, or you're a scientist in a laboratory. You know, I don't think it's a self-emptying process. What do you think? I have to kind of track it backwards when I when I'm thinking about this, right? Because immediately when we start thinking about, you know, you know, are you are you being guided by the spirit, right? So if we're talking about it in like a Judeo-Christian sense, you know, uh, mm. about the spirit of God guiding us in creativity, or um if you are more um impacted by a nature religion, right? You might say right. the spirit of Gaia or the spirit of nature or something like that, right? And then, you know, I can I can see right now, you know, a philosopher, an artist, or or somebody standing up in the back of the room and saying, yo, guys, have you even thought about the fact that, you know, we have our own spirits, right? That uh, your, your own spirit within you, um, if you so believe in that, um, which I do. And and I and I think, you know, I think most most cultures believe in that. Um yes. That have a soul. You have a you have a soul that guides you, right? And then so like what would happen, Jeff, if your if if your soul spoke to you today and said, you know, I want to write a book about about a dog um that um <laughs> saves uh, a bunch of passengers from a burning train mm. and then what his life is like after he becomes a celebrity. Like so your 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 soul speaks to you one day. What would that be like? Would you recognize it as your soul? Would you know your soul enough to know that, like, that's my soul speaking to me? That's like, I don't know, man. Would you? Yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, immediately, I was thinking of Muhammad and how, you know, he was basically in the desert. His story is really cool because he basically went from everybody's nuisance to everybody's savior. Um, and somehow he knew that he was being called to take these people away from the worship of this black uh, Kaaba stone mm-hmm. and knew that it was in some way, shape or form going to be part of him and part of his destiny to lead those people to a better way of life. I think that he knew that it wasn't him. Um I think there's an inner disposition that probably he felt where he knew it wasn't him guiding him because he had had so many failures before. Even though he was uh, married to a wealthy woman, um, he had just had a lot of failures before. So I think he knew the difference between the two because he felt very called that that was 
the spirit of God talking to him. I don't know. What do you think? I think there's, there's, when we get into creativity, we start, we mentioned this a while, a while back about the, um, about the soul, right. And the effects of the effects of the soul on, um, on the creative process. And, and, um, so whether we're talking about the soul or we're talking about some kind of a transmission coming from outside of ourselves, you know, kind of like, you know, the, the Greek muse or whatever, whether we're talking about um, the spirit of God, we can be inspired and directed by artists as artists by, by different communications coming from different places. So they can come from our own internal, our minds, our Mm -hmm. souls, from God, from, um, from the muse, whatever the muse is, we, we still, I mean, nobody really scratches the surface of that too much today. I don't no. think we've ever in human history really scratched the surface of it. We've had people who talk about getting inspiration out from outside of themselves. Yes. Uh, transmissions, if you will, right? You see uh, some of that in Donna Palsuka's book, American Cosmic, where, you know, you have an, a NASA, I think he was an engineer, um, talking about um, getting transmissions from other intelligences alien yeah. to us not necessarily yes. alien to the planet and sammy hagar talked about getting uh alien transmissions for his music as well and i just yeah. laugh i think it's a beautiful thing um and then but then you know other people talk about getting um inspiration from other places um like, like this voice from inside of themselves right they they, they they knew it in the deepest level of the they, like the core of my being there was something speaking to me that was different from me but me right so maybe that's what we're talking about when we talk about somebody's heart or their soul or their spirit right guiding Mm -hmm. them it so you talk about like spiritual figures like um joseph smith or or uh, muhammad or um or moses or, or somebody like that um they're having these external transmissions of information coming to them right Mm -hmm. through through their through their own perception right they're perceiving that that there's an external transmission there and i'm not one to argue with that i wasn't there i didn't right see that experience that i mean i I don't i don't profess to know um that they didn't and i generally assume that when people say that they had some kind of an experience um i have no problems believing that they had that kind of experience just because i believe that you have and let's let's dive into that for just a second. okay just because i believe that you have a um an unnatural let's say or or paranormal or supernatural experience just because i say that you have i'm not saying that it's real in the sense of some kind of scientific measurable reality right i'm just saying i believe you man i believe you. i believe you had that experience right and i don't lose anything by believing that you had that experience. I don't wake up with leprosy tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm gonna be fine. You know, it's like I, I, there's a lot of people who just like they don't believe in anything anybody says. You know, I'm I'm a skeptic, and I'm like, well, that's great. I mean, aliens, Bigfoot, UFOs, Jesus, Muhammad, like all of it. I I think like <laughs> take take the belief that you know fairies and gnomes. And I'm not trying in any way, shape, or form to um, put all human belief systems like on the same level or anything like that. i'm just saying uh-huh. that like all the things all the myths are true man they're all true they're all true because somebody has experienced somewhere at some time does that mean they're scientifically provable that they're part of our our particle reality or something it's like no not necessarily but you know i mean probably in a in the way that Joseph Campbell kind of talks about it, yeah, I do think yeah. all the myths have have truth to them, right? And and not just truth to them, but deep, deep, deep human truth to them. Yeah, the, I mean the the hero's journey is a, a great example of that universalism that Joseph Campbell talked about that we find throughout the myth, throughout the story that we actually saw, like in the Star Wars. I think. The Star Wars saga was one of the big ones that when he pointed that out to me, I was like, whoa, he's got something here, you know? Yeah.
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and going back, let's so let's. I mean, you know, we we went. We were talking a little bit about the evolution of of things, right? And so, um, human beings, um, and I don't think there's anybody who can make any kind of an argument against this. Like, I mean, I think it's totally valid. I mean, of every living organism that we have ever um, experienced as a species, mm-hmm. we are singular and alone in our creativity. Um, there, you know, are there other creatures that possess a level of creativity or something? And we can see that, you know, in mm-hmm. tool use among some primates or something like mm-hmm. that. But, but to the level and extent um human beings obviously are unparalleled in our um in our creativity right and that has not only aided in our evolution physiologically but technologically so when you think about it from that perspective and you go way 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 back to those caves the cave arts and like lisco and france probably slotted that but you know uh-huh. And you see those cave paintings, right? So that we see that kind of as like some of the earliest forms of creative expression, right? Right. Um, but then, the, but then you listen to somebody like Graham Hancock, and he's not the only one who's talked about this either, right? That those those paintings in those caves, deep into those caves, and places where it didn't seem like like why would you go, you know, on a long journey in the darkness? They didn't have flashlights by then, mm-hmm. back then. It's like they were having to use torches and fire and whatever dangerous environments and, and all this kind of stuff, right? To go deep within these caves, not just at the mouth of the cave, but deep, deep within these caves in the darkness, right. you paint these elaborate murals. Some of them where they had to like scaffold up and onto the wall and paint. Like so, uh-huh. so, so we, we look at the paintings and we go, that's the evidence of the creative process, right? But like there's something more that's going on. The creative process drove them into the caves. That's that true. first person that went in there and said i'm gonna put a handprint on a wall you know half a mile into a cave system or whatever however much it is um there's that creative process that was driving them to it like you know and like what what's that all about man yeah absolutely when you look at the religious point of of that and then you look at the utilitarian part of that when you look at both of those, you know, you're like, what did drive that person? Because was it that he was just trying to show off to other people in a communicative way? Hey, this uh, this animal was living here? Or was it an actual religious um, procedure where he was saying, as part of the religion, we need to worship this particular animal? Oh no, that's that's interesting. And like you said, what drove him? Was it that you utilitarian purpose to kind of help other people out? Or was it a deeper religion? Um, we just have the paint. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I apologize, you know, this is my ADHD kicking in is I think I've taken us kind of like all over the map, you know. It's like, you know, <laughs> kind of bringing us full circle back to to the purpose of or the the point of the conversation was like when we're talking about creative forces um in human beings uh evolutionarily um what is what what drives that creative force where does it come from um how is it characterized and um you know i don't think that we can underestimate um you know the the profound effect that uh the creative arts have had on on human beings throughout our history but if you go back into prehistoric human beings so you think about before writing right mm-hmm. um, everything is very pictorial yes right? um i think the only time that we're not pictorial um uh, is when we're we're forming um symbols to talk about um phases of the moon or 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 to count numbers numerically time things like that um but then we are thinking about it symbolically so that that is pictorially right but we're Mm -hmm. also thinking about things in um uh, in ancient human beings uh in a way that that doesn't 
that doesn't lend itself to thinking just about our own worldly perceptions. So you, when you go into these caves and we look at uh, whether it's cave paintings or like, you know, uh, art done on rocks and, 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 you know, look at some of the, you know, a lot of the Aboriginal art in Australia, some, some of the, yeah. some of the old, most beautiful. And oh, yeah. you look at native American um, art on, on stones and rocks around the United States and such. And you, you think we see a lot of the world, we see animals and, hunts and things that are part of our uh, human life um, but then we see a lot of things that don't translate to that don't that don't translate we're like what the heck is this creature or what the heck is this humanoid form right like what is this a man in a costume is this a you know and, and then you know we get the the most preposterous you know since chariots of the gods and and like what does that come out in the 60s or something like that mm -hmm. um we've had this new mythology um that you know well i wouldn't say it's new but it, it's this mythology that's come around that says you know it's it's aliens from another planet right that do everything for human beings that's ever needed to require any intelligence you know all our megalithic structures all that kind of stuff aliens it's always aliens and so if there's any kind of drawings or any kind of writings or any kind of symbols in ancient uh, art it's always aliens i think it's that you know if that's somebody's personal belief system that's great i don't think there's a lot of evidence for it but you know hey um <laughs> that's what you want to believe i think i think they're onto something in the sense that i think we're tapping into some kind of other world right and i think that if you know psychedelics were probably a big part of that right and so when we look at psychedelic experiences in mm -hmm. more native cultures and everything it's not recreational like it is for a lot of people today that's true um let's not dive too deep into psychedelics but i think we've got to separate the the recreational use of psychedelics from from the spiritual use so when you look at psychedelics and and other cultures um more natural nature-based uh cultures cultures that are more um connected with the earth or mm -hmm. when you look at you know uh cultures of people back in time um, perhaps all the way back to our our very very earliest prehistoric ancestors. Um, this was this was always tied up in in kind of a ceremony, right? There's a spiritual act, right? And so there was there was an understanding that there was a spiritual uh, enlightenment because for those cultures and for those people around the world, universally almost it seems. Mm -hmm. um, there was the belief that man walks in the world of the spirit and man walks in the world of the flesh, right? Yes. And that, that these psychedelic experiences enabled us to um, kind of step out of our bodies uh -huh. and into the world of, of the spirit and walk in the spirit world. Now, what was perceived there was raw transmission, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's not... It's not... Um, it's not always easy to for a person who goes and experiences that to articulate it when they come back right um and then lots of people you know throughout history have said you know this is a life-changing experience that mm -hmm. connected with that other intelligence transmission force whatever you want to call it that opens their their creative selves up even more right mm -hmm. we keep coming as a species right and you take like and you, you, we can see the profound impact it has on certain artists like Alex Gray, right? Like his, his paintings are freaking amazing. And psychedelics are uh -huh. a huge part of his artistic journey. And, um, and, and he wouldn't probably be who he is without that. Right. And so, right. but then, you know, um, so you look back and, and, and not everybody's going to become Mozart or um, Michelangelo or something like that. I, these these highly um, potent experiences with you know the 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 transmission that transmits our creativity to us mm -hmm. I, I I suppose um, have a profound effect on people who are not even necessarily part of you know like the artistic community for instance true right? they're not artists they're not you know maybe they're scientists or mathematicians or well like. You know, you know, they have these profound experiences too, right? With that creative transmission, that source. 
Well, that that Graham Hancock thing is what popped into my my mind because he was going back, but he was going back because he felt a need to go back to connect with his. It was his father, right, that had died before him. Is that correct? Ooh, I think so. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, and that wasn't recreational in a in the sense, but he is a very scientific person too. So. But he was using it as a means to an end, uh, his psychedelic experience. And you, the artist that you mentioned, I think he's got the same thing kind of going on, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, he's got the, you know, the um, the strong, long, the long and strong relationship with psychedelics. Um but I think that you know it's interesting because we've we've done research and found that people can reach that that state of mind without having to use psychedelic, you know, like psilocybin or anything like that. So right, there is the ability for human beings to attain that state mentally on their own. Yes, whose um, Benedictine nuns or whatever they wired up their brains while they were doing their prayer chants and found that you know their brains were lighting up just like people who were on psilocybin right and right that's just through um people experiencing kind of an ecstasy if you will um mm -hmm. through through um prayer chanting right and so mm -hmm. um probably how much you know when we think about um the ability for people to go into these ecstatic dances and stuff we see this in in these beautiful tribal cultures around the world that dance until yes. they're like nearly exhausted or the, you, know, you think about the whirling dervishes or whatever, there's mm -hmm. this, this kind of ecstatic state that can be reached. Um, and, and this is something that human beings are constantly trying to tap into. Right. And I think that what, I think that when we think about artists and we think about writers and we, you know, you know, um, sculptors and all the, all of the arts, when we think about people who are doing that, we're thinking about, entering into that spirit world shedding off the flesh and entering into that spirit world where that transmission is um extremely strong extremely potent um and we're Absolutely. just bathing yeah mm -hmm. we're just bathing that transmission i like and that. pull something out that that's a complete painting or a complete novel or a complete mathematic formula or whatever right um but then that you know that goes back to the original question of and it's not it's not an answerable question. You're, I don't, I don't think, think so. you're ever going to answer it. Like, why in the world did the human species develop this this level of creativity, this kind of creativity? Um, you know, I've I've heard people say, well, the plants, the psychedelic plants, you know, they brought us up. You know, and I'm like, well, who who brought up the psychedelic plants? <laughs> like, like the ACDC song, man. Who made who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely. But I think I think there is something. Well, l let's get into just the fact that artists crave other artists. What what is that about? I mean, it's almost like if you there's a tribal sense that's there that you really just experience when you realize that the creativity is within you then all of a sudden you you're almost like a magnet to other people that are creative and what exactly what exactly is that is there a greater power there that's bringing you together or is that just you know your minds that are that are finding those segues together i think that's an interesting question too why do we seek out other artists why do we find art as our our bridge to find each other why is it when you look at a movie and you see something and i look at a movie and i see something that there's a coming together when we talk about it knee-jerk reaction we're tribal yeah i think so we seek, we seek we seek the comfort and validation and protection we get from a tribe i mean it's it takes us back to our millions of years of human evolution man where before we became settled down in cities and and you know um anesthetized ourselves with the internet um <laughs> we, and social media and 
whatever else that we've corrupted ourselves with Coca-Cola and McDonald's. Um, <laughs> you know, we used to we used to um, band together to protect each other because there were things like you know tigers and bears and and other clans of human beings that you know wanted to harm us for whatever reason they wanted to take our women or our goats or our gold or, or whatever you know and and so we band together to protect each other and and you know. I can tell you we we want to be around people who not necessarily are like us uh-huh. but but where we can feel appreciated right because I mean we have the whole phrase opposites attract right and it's yes. it's that way as we know human beings by nature and by evolutionary development we need diversity diversity is super important um not just to our evolutionary development in uh, the thinking of our intellectual thought and our technological development, but diversity also, um, we find comfort in that as well. So we like we like people who think like us, but we need people who don't think like us. Yes. But need more than either one of those is just that fostered environment of of appreciation of each other for either having the same belief or a different belief, right? So there's that whole <clears throat> strange combination that's occurring there of like. Jeff, I need you in my life because you and I think a lot alike. Or Jeff, I need you in my life because you and I don't think anything alike. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we both know that there are people who think just like us and people who think radically different from us that we don't want in our lives. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> true. Like, just stay away, you know, you're like, <laughs> you know, for a wide variety of reasons, right? But, but, but central, like, I think the foundational reason that we want to keep people away is because there isn't the appreciation and, and the respect for where we're coming from where i you know i respect where you're coming from you respect where i come from and we appreciate that right so it's it's the sense of comfort and validation and appreciation and things like that right so that's i think why we come together as artists but interestingly enough as soon as you said that uh-huh. as soon as you said that i thought to myself um two different completely different thoughts at once i thought about the collaboration that occurs uh-huh. in creative development of yes. ideas right but then I immediately also thought every artist, uh, not every artist, I think lots of artists, um, they crave the desert. Like, yes. You gotta, that's where you go to toil away. When I, when I go do a painting, right, I, I go off on my own to do it, right? It's, and I know there's some people that do spectacle paintings and all this kind of stuff. Like, but like, I think for the most part, there's a there's a solitude in that creative effort for a absolutely lot yeah and i just finished the zone um that you recommended the yeah finding the zone and we'll have to do a podcast on it but yeah i i think it has a lot to flow. do with the flow yeah flow. the flow there you go the flow yeah, yeah. finding yeah, the flow okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the finding the flow yeah that was that was something that and especially from the standpoint that I'm spiritual to the point where I believe in God and he presented his his books as a as a sense of you know make make life make the most of life because the evidence sides on that there's not going to be anything afterwards and I thought that was interesting but we'll get back into that other time <laughs> That was pretty well, good. I, I think all that we're talking about in this entire series is the evidence that there is something. Yes. Right. Because all we're talking about is this, is where does creativity come from? And specifically, you know, when you think about whether it's Mozart or an artist creating something, we're creating something from almost nothing. Right. That's true. Um, there was nothing there before, and now there's something. Mm-hmm. Um, now one can say it's not scientifically creating something from nothing because scientifically there's you know there's paint and there's a canvas and there's you know a violin yes <laughs> yes yes we're not creating something from a complete and total vacuum.
but we kind of are. Because <laughs> if you take it down to the um, biochemical electrical discharge across our neural network, that's creating this. That's creating the Sistine Chapel or, or Stonehenge or, or whatever. Right? Absolutely. There's yeah. electricity that comes through my light socket every day, Jeff. It doesn't it doesn't write Shakespeare. <laughs> it's true. Only if it's hooked up to, to AI. Not even then. GPT. <laughs> yeah, then again, then again, it doesn't. That's true. It has to have our commands. Yeah. I mean, even if like, even if you suppose that you create creative AI that's off doing its own thing, having its own communication, making these AI babies and AI colonies and like you know like whatever you know, it's right. a bunch of data from uh, from Star Trek Next Generation. Even if that's the <laughs> thing, right? Like it, the you know it came from a biochemical electrical discharge yes. in a human brain. Mm-hmm. Right. We understand a lot about the brain, but we understand, but we don't understand more. But yeah, we there's a lot we know about the human brain, but there's a lot we don't know. And that's that's neat too. You know, when you get into the Phineas Gage story and that kind of thing and how we came to know that and right. the trephining and all of the the things that they used to do to cure mental illness. Um it it's very very it's a very interesting study when you think about it. Yeah. What and I think we've talked about this before about how you know, what is thought when you really think about it? You know, what what is causing the thought? What and what is thought? And how is this reality different from what could actually be going on in our perception of it? Yeah, it gets to be one of these circular arguments going back to the why that you talked about at first. Yeah. Yeah. But I but I did want to I did want to dive in a little bit. Um because my mind went to, okay, when we met, we met in college, but there was like this attraction that I guess came from your, I, I don't know, came from your art, I think, on my side. But what was it that you found in me that was that initial tribal part? I think that one of the things that I have been attracted to in artists right and the work that they do whether regardless of what kind of art it is or writing or whatever and at the time you were doing um you were doing some like drawings and paintings and stuff and you were also doing art uh, uh through writing um and just i think that one of the things that inspired me uh and watching you was just the raw openness to being led by your creative spirit like wherever it would take you like it was just um i think one of the things that we fall into a lot of times as human beings on anything is analysis paralysis right and mm. so we overthink things right and, absolutely um, this a lot too right and so that's why more great paintings don't ever get painted than ever have been painted right and so i think that's that was the big inspirational thing is like how can you just like from my perception of you um how can this person be a like just like act on every creative impulse like with complete trust that it's that it's the right thing to do right um yeah i think that 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 was that was what was i think that's what you know kind of attracted us together and i think also Mm -hmm. too i'm a very conversational person like I love long yeah, conversations about about things that that I'm interested in or I want to learn about. And there are precious few people in the world today, it seems, mm-hmm. that I run into that either have the patience or the um the desire to have to have long conversations and and on things that, you know, they don't perceive as like important to their day-to-day tasking right um god we used to have front porches in this country that 
that people sat on and they knew all their neighbors and they used to have conversations. You know, absolutely. You know, I hear people, I've heard this even, like I hear this at work a lot too. I don't have time for trivial conversation. Um, I detest small talk and I'm like, oh my God. And all the things <laughs> that make that make life bearable and 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 interesting and fascinating to me are the things that, you know, you're like just like, you know, completely dogging uh, yeah it, just, <laughs> it breaks my heart you know i, I that's one of the things that i struggle with at work too and people i work with would, would say you know it's, it's like um um that we just need to talk about the task at hand we've got 30 minutes for this meeting tobin we you know we don't need to talk about the weather don't need to ask how people's dogs are we don't they just get to the point uh -huh. i'm like yeah. <laughs> it's more like Dude. that you know the older i get the more utilitarian we're becoming uh-huh yeah god i don't know man I, well you know you're talking about teaching portuguese children art and english and uh yeah i want to i, I want to move to portugal i want to sell everything I'm, i own move to portugal teach english and art and um and just to disappear from the world you yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> But um, like I said, uh, you sit down with those kids and you you tell them it's time to get to business. You're not going to get anything done. I mean, that's just part of our part of our nature. We need to to be warmed up to got that kind of stuff and to be a creative and say, okay, let's get down to business. Uh, no, <laughs> it's not the way it works. Think about this beautiful thing in English. I mean, you know. Uh, what was the last book you read that was strictly utilitarian and how much did you enjoy it? Strictly. you, uh, I don't think there's anything strictly. Well, maybe the instruction manual for your Ikea bookcase or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. How inspirational was yeah. that? It, not very. <laughs> well, but you know what they say. Would, would you say that then we find inspiration as human beings in in more than just being utilitarian? It's yeah. not about form of it's not about function over form. It's about form over function. Can you explain that? So it's hard to explain because okay. because not everybody's wired. Some people are some people like minimalism and some people like need more inspiration. Like, but I think it, ultimately all human beings that like a story or like um they they need they need uh they need more than just the facts, right? It's not absolutely. We're not all Joe Fridays, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, I think that, and that's where the creative spirit like speaks to others through the artist or through the writer uh, or the musician or whatever. Like, I think that's how that creative spirit, that muse, if you will, it, we're not the end of the transmission as the artist, right? So I create a painting, right? I'm not the end of that transmission. That transmission now has um, changed shape and form into that painting, and it is now transmitting a message out into um, the collective group of people that are going to see that painting in ways that they know and they don't know, consciously, unconsciously, whatever right mm -hmm. it's going to have an impact yeah of some absolutely i can ever imagine right so what is that source <laughs> what is that source who is that source <laughs> why did they do this to us <laughs> no that's what our listeners are saying right now why did they do this to us <laughs> hey guys hey guys write a script <laughs> and stick to it <laughs> Okay, so I think we need to sum up the books that we mentioned. Um, Joseph Campbell, his uh, Hero's Journey. Um, let's see, you talked about, um, I can never say her name. Diana Palsuka. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> one, of, one of the best books by uh, a professor of comparative religions or religious studies that I've read in a long time. Um, that that was a real eye opener. It was, uh, and 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 did in in a small way um, impact me uh, just this past week, Jeff, into 
buying a um, a competitive dueling lightsaber. But, uh, <laughs> you never not, know where these are going to lead. Catholicism for the Jedi religion just yet, but um, <laughs> you know, depending on who the American Council of Bishops decides to prop up for the next uh, presidential election, I may. <laughs> Jedi. Oh, goodness. Hey, look, we got, you know, like, who looks more like Jesus? Uh, <laughs> you know, was it uh, was it uh, the, the guy on The Chosen or uh, Mark Hamill in uh, in the last three Star Wars movies? I'm, there I'm you Mark go. Hamill, you know, face <laughs> Jesus, face Jesus with the little pogs on the island. I mean, I just like, oh, man, starting to look appealing to me. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Plus, you get a lightsaber, and you know, I loved it as usual. <laughs> yeah, and and we'll we'll try to script out this, but just remember that that this the whole reason why we kind of started doing this, uh, and maybe this was not a good idea, um, was <laughs> because, because we enjoyed having these meandering conversations, and we we're really kind of hoping to inspire other people to get out and have meandering conversations. Absolutely. About about things that are not necessarily utilitarian with their friends and neighbors and stuff like that. And so this is just, you know, Jeff and I used to get together um, back in our college days and sit out and um, outside of my uh, workshop slash garage slash studio, take your pick and just have conversations about all kinds of things. And um, that's kind of what this is. Born out of, so. Yeah, absolutely. This has been great. Gentlemen. All right. I'll catch you later, man. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>As we wrap up this episode of Brushed With Creativity, I'd like to encourage all of our listeners to embrace the ebb and flow of inspiration in your creative journey. Remember, creativity knows no bounds, and each stroke of your artistic endeavor contributes to the masterpiece of your life. In the upcoming weeks, let your imagination soar, indulge your craft, and find the inspiration in the unexpected. Thank you for joining us on this exploration of creativity. If you're hungry for more, be sure to check out our show notes for our recommended readings, artist spotlights, and resources to fuel your own artistic pursuits. Remember, your creativity is a force to be reckoned with, and we look forward to journeying with you again in two weeks as we dive into more creative topics on Brush With Creativity. Until then, stay inspired, stay creative, and continue to explore the endless realms of your imagination.